Hi, friends and fellow humans. My name is Bella. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Humans Unscripted, a podcast where we turn ignorance into understanding. So I'm going to be incredibly honest. This makes me so nervous. I don't know if I want to hold this or like set it down. I feel like I need something to do with my hands, honestly. Um, This has kept me up at night for like a month straight now. This layout is not something that I anticipated myself doing for a while. It is something that I did want to incorporate, but I didn't think that it was going to kind of fall into my lap as soon as it did. So I am trying my best to figure out how to do this right, how to do this respectfully, and how to do this justice. 100%. And the craziest part to me is like, if you know me, like I'd be talking, like I don't, I don't stop talking. Like I talk not even arguably, like 100% way too much. Like I could use a little bit of shutting up in my life. Um, But when I sit down to try to record this, I have recorded this video. I want to say this is going on five times of like filming it all the way through, getting to the editing process and being like, no, no, I hate it. No. But it's weird because when I'm talking to people I know about this case, I'm talking to like my coworkers or my friends about this case, it's the weirdest thing because I'll go on and on and on with like perfect verbiage and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rephrase anything that I had said. But then the second I sit down in front of a camera and I'm like, okay, I know this is going to be posted. And I know the severity of this. And I know the stakes and stuff like that. Um, I get really nervous because I just I want to do this right. But let's hope that the fifth time is the charm. I don't want to have to deviate from the timeline of things too much to the point where it like doesn't make sense because that is something I notice myself doing in conversation with people and I think it's because I have so many emotions and so many feelings about what we're about to talk about that it makes it really hard not to jump around and then get pissed off add my emotion and then circle I've got ADHD love I'm just gonna try and talk to this camera like it's my friend. I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. This is new. Definitely be prepared to be confused. Um, I'm confused. My kind of point of contact, who I'm going to formally introduce in a second, is confused. Um, there is going to be a lot of confusion. I'm not going to lie to you. And that is all the more reason why this case needs attention on it. And a lot of this is going to be my opinion. And I want to get out of the way that I am no legal expert. I am not a mental health expert. Before we get any further with this, I am going to insert a legal disclaimer here. I have done extensive research on this case with the mainstream media that I can find. Definitely a bit of unknown territory for me. So I've had some guidance from people in my life who know this legal world a lot better than I do. And for that, I'm super grateful. But I think it would be wise to insert a legal disclaimer here. So here we go. Sorry. I know it's unscripted, but like this part, this part's going to be scripted. <laughs> the disclaimer for the this video is, here is as for informational and advocacy purposes. I'm Bella, your host, providing insights based on publicly available information and also discussions. Firstly, everyone discussed is presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This fundamental legal principle emphasizes the importance of not forming judgment solely based on what you hear in this podcast. 
I've compiled content from various sources online, but I'm not a legal expert. While I've done plenty of research and fact-checking, poring over legal documents, and consulting with people in my network that are held in high regards in their fields of law, I urge you to use public information to independently verify details or form your own opinions. I'm sharing what I found and heard. Regarding any opinions stated, these are mine alone. They're subjective and may not align with others involved in this situation. I'm here to spark your own thoughts, not dictate you on what to believe. A quick note, mentioning individuals, organizations, or events doesn't necessarily imply approval. This podcast is for advocacy and information purposes. Please keep that in mind. Let me emphasize, I am not a legal professional. For personalized advice, especially in legal matters, consult qualified professionals. I don't take responsibility for any omissions or inaccuracies in the information presented. Lastly, I strongly encourage you to utilize readily available public information. Conduct your own research, verify facts, and be diligent seeking accurate and reliable information. Be an informed consumer no matter what you're consuming. As angry, frustrated, and confused as I do, then I did not do my job properly. So I'm here to raise your blood pressure a little bit and get you angry because this is a sickening case. So today we are going to be talking about the tragic and horrific murder of a young man named Devin Briggs, who was ultimately shot to death by the mother of his child. So just to give you some background, uh, the person that I have been speaking with is a wonderful woman named Jackie Rubio. So when I was doing outreach for the podcast, I ended up meeting Jackie Rubio, who is Devin's mother, um, a wonderful woman that I am going to be inserting clips of her throughout this video to get, uh, you know, her point of view on things. And I think it definitely adds a very personal element. And to be fair, you know, to be completely 100% honest, um, I can say things that she can't, you know, and she has been so incredibly polite throughout all of this. I don't know where she finds the strength to do so. I will most likely be inserting some clips from Devon Services, uh, a service that, keep in mind, over 300 people either live streamed into or were sitting in the physical pews. Um, says says something about someone's character when that many people want to be involved in the service and watch it. Uh, and care enough for a person to do that. So, you know, how the word gaslight was kind of brought to social media and it, it's just like a like a filler word now almost. People don't even really <laughs> necessarily know what it means. They just kind of use it. Um, the same, I think, can be said about the expression uh, that our justice system is broken and that the system fails us, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and oftentimes, the only reason I say that is because I don't think we realize what the system failing us and not being built for us um, or the cracks within it. Majority of us don't have the capacity or the experience to understand the full extent. And for that, we should absolutely be considering ourselves lucky um, because this is a story with so many holes in the judicial system, in the legislation. If you want my honest opinion early, a lot of corruption, possibly some bribery. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just the backwardness of Oregon law. Uh, but regardless, something 
needs to change. Attention needs to be brought onto this case so that individuals know that there are people who care and there are eyes on them. And I don't want, I don't feel comfortable living in a world where our justice system, if you're from a small town um, or it's not a politically charged issue, I suppose, I don't feel comfortable in a social environment where so much wrongdoing and immoral practices can happen just because it's a small town and because it's not a politically charged topic. You know, that's not a world that I think any of us want to necessarily live in. However, that's exactly what's happening here. Be prepared to be confused, to be angry. Honestly, if you don't leave this episode feeling as angry, frustrated, and confused as I do, then I did not do my job properly. I'm here to raise your blood pressure a little bit and get you angry because this is a sickening case. So today we are going to be talking about the tragic and horrific murder of a young man named Devin Briggs who was ultimately shot to death by the mother of his child. When I was doing outreach for the podcast, I ended up meeting Jackie Rubio, who is Devin's mother, um, a wonderful woman that I am going to be inserting clips of her throughout this video to get uh you know, her point of view on things. And I think it definitely adds a very personal element. And to be fair, you know, to be completely 100% honest, um, I can say things that she can't, you know, and she has been so incredibly polite throughout all of this. I don't know where she finds the strength to do so. I will most likely be inserting some clips from Devon Services, uh, a service that, keep in mind, over 300 people either live streamed into or were sitting in the physical pews, um, says, says something about someone's character when that many people want to be involved in the service and watch it uh, and care enough for a person to do that. So, you know, how the word gaslight was kind of brought to social media and it, it's just like a like a filler word now almost people don't even really <laughs> necessarily know what it means they just kind of use it um the same i think can be said about the expression uh that our justice system is broken and that the system fails us etc cetera, etc cetera. and oftentimes the only reason i say that is because i don't think we realize what the system failing us and not being built for us the majority of us don't have the capacity or the experience to understand the full extent. And for that, we should absolutely be considering ourselves lucky. This is a story with so many holes in the judicial system, in the legislation. If you want my honest opinion early, a lot of corruption. And I don't know, maybe it's just the backwardness of Oregon law. Uh, but regardless, something needs to change. Attention needs to be brought onto this case so that individuals know that there are people who care and there are eyes on them. I don't feel comfortable living in a world where our justice system, if you're from a small town um, or it's not a politically charged issue, I suppose, I don't feel comfortable in a social 
environment where so much wrongdoing and immoral practices can happen, you know, that's not a world that I think any of us want to necessarily live in. However, that's exactly what's happening here. So Devin Briggs, let's get into it. Devin was born December 2nd of 1994, and he was welcomed into this world by his mother, Jackie Rubio. Devin, from a very young age, was so tall. (laughs) He was so tall, and he was so dark, and he was very handsome, but he was very kind and humble and very shy, actually borderlining timid, I would say. He was a full-time youth youth church goer. His father wasn't really in the picture, despite not having uh, that biological paternal role in his life. He was said to have been born to be a father. You know, baby dolls with his cousin. And he always put the baby doll in the stroller and pushed the stroller. And he always introduced himself to the neighbors as the baby's dad. He just wanted to be a dad from the time he was little. And he really enjoyed, um, he really just enjoyed playing dad when he was little. You know, he played football and all of those things, but um, he just liked pushing the baby around the stroller and, you know, being dad and being husband. That's really what he wanted to do um, from the time he was very, very young. So he, (laughs) um, he was just over the moon. From a very young age, he always wanted kids, which is something I think is really sweet because it's something that you hear often with girls, you know, young girls, because I think that we are conditioned to like have babies (laughs) told you're supposed to get married and like have a bunch of like crotch gremlins should i edit that out is that insensitive that's just the way i feel children are a blessing family time but with other families (laughs) from the time that kid was born he was like i'm out of this family i want a new family so um and it's kind of a funny story about Devin, but you know whenever he would um meet families in church, he just instantly became one of their own. And uh, he just carried that with him his entire life. So despite Devin's biological father not really being in the picture, it was said by pretty much everyone that he was meant to be a father and that he had this really unique knack for finding family. You know, we have um, that expression, blood is thicker than water. But I don't think a lot of us resonate with that. Um, A lot of us end up finding, you know, our family, our uh, tribe, so to speak, the people that we consider family outside of our bloodline. Uh, And that's what I mean by found family. And I think that's a beautiful trait to have. I know I mentioned that Devin's father wasn't necessarily in his life growing up. Sorry, I really want to get comfortable. We're going to be here for a bit, so. So part of... Devin's found family is a man named Anthony. Um, He is considered to be Devin's adopted father, not legally, but you know, he was definitely Devin's found father. He tells a story where I think I will just let Anthony do the talking. Hello, everyone. My name's Anthony. You've probably heard it said you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Of course, there are exceptions, and Devin was mine. I first met Devin over 14 years ago in an outreach that our church put on. 
Soon after that, Jackie and the boys joined us at service. Initially, Devin was your shadow. You would turn around, and there he was. He was navigating the world of adults and religion. Devin became a great friend and a brother. He was eager to participate in whatever was going on, whether it was an event at church or heading out in an afternoon for some mountain biking. Then one day, the (coughs) dynamics of our relationship changed. Devin was always a thoughtful person. He would call to wish me a Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday. But this call, this call came on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, he said. Taken back somewhat, I responded, Thank you, Devin, but I don't have any children. To which he replied, You have me. Devin was my son, and I miss him dearly. He is irreplaceable, and his passing has left a large hole in my heart. Yet now, my attention turns to the piece of Devin that remains with us in his son. I was proud of Devin, and even more proud now as I see the, all of you out here and see the impact that he had on the community. You all honor Devin by being here, and now I would ask that you continue to do so. When the appropriate time presents itself, I would ask you to tell about his father. It could be as simple as, I knew your dad. He was a good man. There are not enough hours in this day to share with you all the good times. I know you have your own stories. You're going to need to hear those stories. As many of them as we have the opportunity to tell. My hope is for is that he will know his father and may even follow in his footsteps, following in his faith, in his kindness, in his work ethic, and in his love. We continue to rely on the works of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We look forward to seeing Devin again in paradise. We miss him and we mourn over his absence, but we will see him again. So the words that kept coming up to describe Devin was gentle giant, uh, a lot about him being soft spoken. He was more of the observant type, which is something that I really, as I said, I don't know when to stop talking. I really admire that trait in people. Here is what Jackie had to say in her own words about her son. He was incredibly helpful, incredibly kind. He was very hardworking. He was so devoted um, to his son and also to his ex-wife. He got married pretty young. She quickly um, became pregnant. She was his first girlfriend, and he was pretty insistent on them being married in the church. Let's kind of zoom out, take a step back, and talk about him meeting the mother of his child and all of that. Devin entered into a relationship with a woman named Paige Vandersall. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, Again, I'm going to be mentioning names that are public information. I'm not going to be talking about the minor's name in this case. But when it comes to the very much adults in this case and the very much adult decisions that they made, uh, I'm, I'm going to be using names. So they ended up getting married. Um, I don't know too much about their relationship before that. So we're not going to get into it. I will allow Jackie to talk about their courtship, their marriage. When they were married, we actually held their wedding at 
my home. It was um, really simple yet uh, traditional and Devin thrived. He absolutely loved the wedding that we threw for him. And when he found out that she was pregnant, he was over the moon about her um, having a child. We were all, you know, really excited for him to actually get to be a dad. You know, he was um, a hard, you know, he had a great job. He um, got a GED and straight out of his um, GED, he was hired at the Redmond School District as a janitor there. And all the kids and all the fat the faculty, they loved him so much. They even threw him a little graduation party in front of all the kids. He got to wear a cap and gown and he had the whole school sit. And, you know, it was just so neat to watch a community just fall in love with my son. It was amazing. So he did all of those things um, <clears throat> with the Redmond School District. And then, you know, when the baby was born, um, it was a little bit stressful. Um, my little grandson had a medical issue and he had to be flown to Dornbeckers in Portland. And Devin just handled it all in stride. He was super supportive and calm and helpful. And, you know, he just really handled it really well. And one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life was in the hospital, he did the skin to skin with his son. It was absolutely touching and phenomenal to see this six foot four giant of a man with hands bigger than the baby was, you know, holding him so tenderly and so gently and doing skin to skin with him. Um, we were all just impressed, <laughs> blown away, uh, his little personal cheerleaders, because we just knew that that's what Devin wanted, you know, and that is, it's it's who he was. It was just who he was as a man, you know, to be a father, to be a husband. So fast forward, um, three years, Devin and his wife were separating. Um, Devin did not want to separate. He was kind and easygoing and gentle. And this girl just ran the show. This is reality. This is real life. So, you know, not all relationships work out and that's okay. I don't know what their particular set of issues were, but they ended up splitting up. So at this point in the timeline, Paige and Devin had split. They were sharing custody of their son. And this is where things get a little side eye. Custody disputes got pretty nasty. Um, even though they both had new partners, Paige had gone on to meet a woman who I'm not sure if it was her girlfriend or they were engaged by this point. Um, but regardless, Paige goes on to meet a woman, enter a relationship with her and, you know, they have their happy relationship and Devin had actually met another woman. And I do know that they were engaged at the time of all of this happening. They still had a responsibility to co-parent, even though they were moving on in different directions in their love lives. Um, and that was seemingly pretty hard to do, um, on, on account of Paige. She dictated whether he could spend time with his son. She dictated especially that I couldn't spend time with his son. Um, she was very controlling that way. She was a uh, borderline paranoid um, about germs and things like that when it came to um, my grandson. And um, 
she continued to breastfeed him until he was like three, three and a half. Um, and in the state of Oregon, um, they wouldn't allow my son to have any overnight visits with him because she was still breastfeeding. And so that really knocked the wind out of my son's sails. He'd spent three years in the marriage, you know, being told that he wasn't necessary, that, you know, he, he, he didn't bring anything to the table. He just never got a chance to really uh, flourish as, as my grandson's father. But when some of the kinks got worked out and he got his visitations and things like that, he was just an amazing dad. He just was the most gentlest dad. And at the same time, he was more, you know, of a, your bedtimes at this time, you know, there, it wasn't a fairyland weekend visit with dad. He, he did, you know, have some regulations and things like that. Um, and seemed a little put off because he didn't have those rules at home with his mom. And, um, his mom had just recently gotten into a new relationship with a woman. So she had Grayson had two women in his home for his moms and, um, I just don't think that he quite knew how to handle, um, you know, having dad, <laughs> you know, but they did all kinds of fun things. Devin just absolutely thrived having him um, for his visits. They went to the zoos together. They went to, to the pumpkin patches together, horseback riding. I mean, Devin just did all kinds of things with him. And he really just finally, I felt like developed into his own, into his own kind of person, into his own kind of father, that he wasn't underneath, you know, someone else's thumb anymore. And they had a really amazing relationship. Um, they look like, you know, very respectful to his dad. Um, and Devin was just, you know, really kind and generous when it came to his time and, and the things that he did with They started having some issues. It was December of 2021. Um, the home that lived in with his mom and his mom's partner flooded. And apparently they were, you know, they had to leave the home and there was concern of mold and things like that. And um, at this point, six and he becomes his behavior kind of changes with um, his mom's partner, especially. Um, you know, he began to be a little bit disrespectful towards her and is the funniest kid in the world because he never called his dad dad and he never called his mom mom he called them each by their first names <laughs> but when i first heard him call his dad devin i was like devin don't let him be and he's like mom he doesn't even call his mom mom he calls her Paige. like i you know i guess from being an only child and he was a very smart kid so i think he picked up on the communication with all the adults and that's just the way he was and Apparently, um, his mom's um, girlfriend had an issue because um, Grayson wouldn't call her mom. She was upset because she felt that Devin was telling he didn't have to call her mom. Tried to have a meeting with Devin and he said, you know, he doesn't even call his own mom mom. I mean, he doesn't call me dad. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have to call her mom. He doesn't even call his own mom, mom. He doesn't even call his dad, dad. So it didn't really make any sense. Well, things really took a turn after that. After that conversation, um, things got very difficult and stretched for Devin. He had a visitation with for the first time 
I actually had flown in from Texas. We were going to the Oregon coast. I had rented this great place for and my son and his fiance to come for the weekend. And he showed up to pick up and they weren't there and they wouldn't take his phone calls. And it was the first time that they denied any of his visitations. Um, it was, it was very odd. It had never happened before. So he went to look for and he found him in Redmond at the babysitter's house, just Paige's partner's mother's house. And they called the police and said that he was trying to break into the house. Well, his fiance was in the car and she was actually recording it. So nobody was trying to break in, but this was the first allegation and the first where we were like, oh my gosh, okay, something is very, very wrong here. I do want to mention now that um, something in the services that I kept noticing was people mentioning when it's appropriate, tell Devin's son what a good man he was, how much he loved him. Tell him these good stories that he probably won't remember because he was so young when they occurred. And that kind of like stumped me for a bit. Like I I was confused as to why people kept saying that. But as we go on, that will be more clear. And so he had, you know, tried to get um, the officer in the county that they lived in to enforce his visitation. And then they, they were going to, and then they said it's civil. So he ended up having to go without for his weekend visitation. And from there, it just really started to snowball. Tried to go back to court and get his visitations fulfilled by the court. And then all of a sudden she went to court and then there were all these really crazy allegations. One of them was that um, Devin threw down five flights of stairs. Five flights of stairs, but not a scratch on the child, you know, and there was one suggestion of sexual abuse, suggestion of it for sure is what she was leading up to. There was um, that he hit over the head with a beer bottle. Devin doesn't even drink. He does. He doesn't drink at all. And that he put a gun to head. Well, Devin doesn't even own a gun and, you know, and he lives in a home with his fiance. So that was just... Those were real outlandish. Yeah. So um, she was taking to the doctor. I mean, just over and over and over, over, you know, constantly taking him to the doctor. And then she, there's a, a pretty trumped up, horrible tissue disease that she says. that. This is completely my opinion. You know, I'm not going to state it a hundred times throughout this. I just want to give one big, probably a couple, probably a couple big. This is my opinion. This is very much my opinion. Paige definitely gives me a little bit of Dee Dee Blanchard, Gypsy Rose Blanchard vibes. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm not a mental health professional either. Let's keep that in mind. But there were a lot of unsubstantiated allegations that were thrown around in court on her end. Um, seemingly some doctor shopping, which if you're not familiar with the disorder Munchausen by proxy, Munchausen by proxy is where you either make up, exacerbate, or um, cause symptoms in another person. So Munchausen, I guess, would be just syndrome would be just on yourself, making yourself sick and people do it for all types of reasons. It could be financial. Typically, people like the support that they get from 
having everyone think that they're such a good person who's taking care of a sick person. I got vibes there, there that there could be um, a little bit of that going on. So I do want to make it very clear that I would never, ever want to sit here and say that a victim's story isn't true or call it into question. However, with the person that Paige has kind of proved herself to be, I feel confident in saying that please take everything said about these quote air quotes again, accusations with a pinch of salt or with a grain of salt, whatever the expression is. She had made claims to the courts during the nasty custody battle that was going on about a plethora of issues that supposedly their son had that was not backed or substantiated by any doctor's or professionals in that field. Um, it was actually said in court, in family court, that uh, no, there was more evidence to suggest that the child was being coached than uh, there was that anything was actually wrong. There is a child involved in all of this. He is the most important part of all of this. This is a small child who doesn't understand the gravity of the terrible things that she was accusing his father of doing. God, it's so gross to me, honestly, that whole concept of trying to isolate your child from one parent. And those situations never work out well either. You know, it always makes me kind of have a big question mark because unless you're really, really good at brainwashing, do you not think that your kid's going to grow up and like kind of resent you for that? They're going to be an adult with a mind of their own and the same capability of thinking the way you are now and they're going to realize what you did and the lies that you told it, it's going to backfire on you either way so I don't get the point I say all of that just to kind of paint a picture of the lengths that she was already kind of willing to go to to keep Devin and his son apart it, it broke my heart because do you know how rare it is for a dad to step in and, and really fight fight for their child and there's way more cases of the opposite happening than what Devin was trying to do and he he would have done anything for his son he would have given his life for his son and unfortunately he did I was wrapping up editing last night well I don't sleep so I was wrapping up editing at like 3 or 4 a.m last night this morning I was kind of at the final point of editing, but then I realized it was like 3 a.m. when I had filmed the kind of later parts of the video, and I don't think that I hit on everything as correctly as I wanted to, and I wanted to do a bit of reformatting. So it's a new day, and let's just get back into everything. You're going to hear from Jackie a lot of information, and I think it is best said in her own words. Her experience... I have a lot of colorful commentary that uh, I will bite my tongue on a lot of it, but a lot of it I will provide it also. Really, truly, I can't understand how she stays so composed. Hi, everyone. This is Editing Bella. Just a heads up that all of the audio files going forward got corrupted. So I'm going to try to salvage it and make it sound as nice as possible. But apologies if they sound kind of off. 
hearing Jackie talk about the absolute shitstorm that has been going on for the past two years and being treated like dirt from the same people that have promised to represent her and have her best interest in mind, governmental agencies that claim to do this is repulsive. And I, I don't know how she stays so calm and so cool, but it it definitely, she knows that she needs to do that um, because the second that she goes crazy, like I probably would have long before now, that's just another thing that they're going to try and flip and use against her. So, you know, the initial issues was um, that very first weekend that she didn't allow him to take. And he immediately started, you know, trying to reach out for help, trying to get, you know, his visits back. It's a civil matter. They all want you to you know, pay to go to court. And, you know, he was getting railroaded. He lives in um, an expensive community and he worked um, full time and he actually ended up getting a second job so that he could pay for an attorney and he pursued his rights. He went to court and um, she went to court. And then all of a sudden there were the allegations he hadn't seen for several months. Then, you know, said some, sent, some very bizarre things like the five flights of stairs, like a beer bottle, you know, those like pretty um, outlandish. And so Devin was very, this kid, I swear, I would have went ballistic, but he was so calm and so just methodical. And he just did everything he was supposed to do. You know, DHS was involved. The law enforcement was involved, you know, and he just continued to show up every time and continue to just allow any line of questionings, you know, anything that he could do. He was just so honest, you know, and so patient and just, he never got frustrated with any of it, you know, and it, did all exactly what it was. It was just her, you know, trying to take his visits away. We found out that she had put in um, a motion to move to a different state. You know, he wasn't allowing that. So he, you know, went to court. And so she had um, went to court and tried to get a emergency order. And the judge did not grant it, did not allow it. They were having, they were going to have a court date where um, Devin was asking for the time that he'd lost to get given back to him on top of having his visits, you know, back on track the way they were supposed to be. And right before that happened, she went back to court under an emergency hearing and used the same information that had already gotten thrown out and not granted, but his attorney didn't show up. So the judge gave her an emergency, you know, that he couldn't have contact until they could get into the courtroom again. And once the judge, you know, they got into court again, the judge heard all the evidence and saw, you know, that DHS had, they not only allowed Devin to have his visits and had no issue with it, but they were starting to question what was being said to in that home. Law enforcement was starting to question what was being, you know, said to in that home, um, there was the fingers were kind of getting turned around and pointed back at her for um, some of the some of the things she had done. So at that point, he had asked for full custody. And to be honest with you, he was making some progress. He was, you know, definitely showing that he was um, 
a good father, that he was, you know, playing by all the rules of the court, all of that. And then that's, that's what happened. He was filed for full custody. They had to do a mediation and they were going to go back to court for a full custody trial. And he had already had his visitations back reinstated. And he had found out that she had bought a gun. And he even told me, he said, mom, he said, I am afraid she's going to shoot me. And, you know, you just, no one really ever thinks about that, but he'd been taking his fiance with him every time he went and picked up so that he wasn't alone. And this is where, um, he was afraid of her. He was afraid of, you know, her, she was twisting things. She was making lies up. She was, you know, just irrational. So he installed a dash cam on his car to protect himself while he was picking up his son. You know, he wasn't ever going alone. One time um, he couldn't take his fiance, so he took his fiance's sister. And I don't know what happened this time. It was Christmas time and everybody was making their holiday plans. We were, you know, doing our holiday shopping. And he, for whatever reason, decided to go get alone. And that's when she opened up the door and shot him. And this kid has had not ever one time in his life has he ever been in trouble. Not once. He's never had ever any kind of domestic violence situations. Not once. If anything, you know, he was always the one backing down on the receiving end because she just bullied him. Just bullied him. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have his phone and I don't have the text messages. I don't know if she knew he was coming alone or if she was just prepared to shoot them both. You know, if that's not the worst story you've ever heard, it just gets worse for us. She's shot and killed my son. Um, law enforcement gets there. There's uh, shots still being fired on a 911 call where you can hear her elderly grandmother crying for her to stop shooting. She's just continuing to fire shots. And apparently after law enforcement got there, they allowed her to decide where went, where my grandson went. They allowed her to pick up the phone or somebody to pick up the phone on her behalf and start making phone calls instead of having DHS come in and, and pick him up. And then that's where it all just gets bizarre. She, murders my son. She shoots him on video with absolutely no, um, nothing happened. Like there was no, she opened the door. There were no words spoken. She just shot him. And so, um, you know, the state of Oregon seems fit to, uh, consider her, <laughs> um, the full custody parent now. She wasn't able to obtain full custody in, in the court system, so she's able to obtain it through murder. And now she has all of her parenting rights, all of her rights, you know, to, to my grandson. She gets to decide who sees him, where he lives, who has control over him, who doesn't get to see him. So we went to court immediately um, and we started trying to find, find him. There were some things that I found out from the district attorney that was just absolutely devastating. One of them was that, um, she didn't have the home professionally cleaned after, um, my son was shot times in the home. 
So her mother came um, from the out of state where she lived and cleaned the home herself, cleaned my son's blood and brains and guts up with her own bare hands and brought my little grandson to go back and live back in that home. And uh, the state of Oregon decided that that was all okay, that that's um, who was able to parent my grandson from now on. He wasn't allowed to go to his father's funeral. We had um, an entire community that were just grieving and absolutely hurting for the loss of my son and for the loss of his father. And, you know, they had arranged to um, have all these gifts for my grandson and she wouldn't allow him to come into the community and receive his gifts. She just had him come back into the house where his father was murdered in and have have him sit on the floor, probably right in the spot his dad was shot and killed and open gifts with her. And so, I mean, so we went to um, court and we got in front of a judge and the judge was absolutely appalled um, at some of the decisions that she had made. And the judge did give me um, temporary guardianship temporary guardianship with the understanding that I leave the home that I owned in an, in two and a half hours away and move to the town that um, my grandson was in, the town my son was murdered in, so that I could keep him in school and keep him up with his routines and things like that. And, and I was more than willing to do that. We went through some court dates every month. We had to go back in in order to, because it was just temporary guardianship. We had to all troop back in there once a month and get the paper signed again. Um, however, the, um, the state of Oregon paid for her as a murderer to have a top-notch custody attorney. And the custody attorney were able to use her criminal defense resources and they did like a PI on me. And I've never claimed to be a perfect person. I, have, I was a severe alcoholic. I made some pretty fucking shitty choices as a mother. I put my kids through a lot. So I never in a million years ever claimed to be, you know, a perfect person or anything like that. But the the way that the information was coming out was really vicious. I mean, you would have think I killed somebody. And the worst of it is, is that her mother's husband did kill somebody. The, the man that my grandson lives with now uh, committed vehicular manslaughter, drinking and driving. I, I've been sober. I was sober at that point for two and a half years. Now I've been sober for three and a half years. We were going through the motion and she, this woman was coming down and she was having every other weekend visitations. And I was having um, my grandson, he was doing actually really, really well. He was doing well in school, his teacher, his principal, his counselor, they were all just so supportive and just thought that, you know, we were doing a fantastic job, was making a lot of progress. I had him in therapy, you know, I had him going to the doctors because there was some um, diagnosis that his mom had put on him that just were not making any sense. It's a tissue disorder that um, he wasn't allowed to do like recess at school um, and when she had told my son, Devin, about it, she showed no proof with it. When she told the school district about it, she showed no proof with it. Um, so when I started to look into all of it, I got, you know, started to get second opinions. And, you know, at that point, 
all they have when your child is seven, all they have to go off of is, you know, what the mother says, not what the symptoms are showing. So um, there was a lot of disagreement between me and the other grandma about his diagnosis and about, you know, all the limitations that they were putting on him. And I wasn't, I wasn't abiding by that. I, you know, was look, looking for answers with other, you know, other physicians. And, you know, there was just lies on the, um, on the doctor's forms and stuff. And, you know, there's things that were being said that his elbows were popping out of joints. And well, the school, he went to school, the school never saw an elbow popping out of joint or him showing up on crutches because his ankles popped out when he was at his dad's house. He never had any of those symptoms. So that was a huge contingency or point of tension for us because I'm not quite sure why they think that a woman who is capable of putting bullets in somebody isn't capable of lying on a doctor's form. But um, that was kind of a big problem between all of us going to court was I wasn't buying the diagnosis that they were given. So that was an issue, to be honest with you. And also one of the things the judge said was that got to continue going to see his mom in the jail. I had to facilitate that and they couldn't understand why I didn't want to go to the jail and, and see the woman that murdered my son. So I, you know, asked them if they had other family that could take, you know, my grandson to visit his mom. And it just was like so bizarre. But unfortunately, what happened was we all showed up for court one day and um, the judge, when she was reviewing all the files, had realized that she had actually prosecuted me many, 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 many years before. Didn't remember me, didn't remember my case. And so she asked me and my attorney if, you know, it was a problem if, if we wanted her to recuse herself. And we said, obviously not. But then the other side stood up and said they wanted her to recuse herself. So she recused herself. She recused herself on March 24th, 2023, which was um, a Friday and a weekend that his other grandma had him for visitation. And what it did was left me with no paperwork because we didn't get to talk to her anymore. We didn't get to see her anymore. I didn't have the extended guardianship paper. And so she never gave him back to me. And we went and we had to go in front of another judge. And the other judge decided that she got to keep her parenting rights and just dissolved the whole case. The whole case that we've been working on for over three months just got dissolved. So that's the last time I saw my grandson. That was it. So he dismissed my case. We tried to go back and we tried to get the state to take custody of him. DHS, which they should have done that from the very beginning. DHS should have never, ever left that child in her care. But they they just wouldn't step in. They just wouldn't step in. So um, we tried to go back one more time um, and have the state take take custody of him. And that got thrown out by the same judge also. And so this entire time I've been begging Congress, senators, governors, anybody who will listen to me. I mean, I mean begging for them to, to change this law. They have a Slayer law in Oregon, which says if somebody murders somebody, they don't get to have their financial gains from it. 
Well, why if somebody murders somebody, they get to have their custody gains of it? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, best case scenario, there's an attorney that will take it pro bono. Best case scenario, I mean, that would be, you know, the answer to my dreams right now. Or um, now I don't know if you got a chance to see, I, I am working with the nonprofit agency right now. Um, she's a whistleblower law firm. She was willing to, you know, try to help me. Uh, and so that they don't provide attorneys that you have to litigate yourself. But she does, you know, help with the paralegal work with like doctors because of this gets so messed up with diagnosis and other doctors that could come in and, you know, go through his medical charts as expert witnesses and stuff like that. I mean, she can provide those things, but it still costs money. She is a nonprofit. And if they if they do a donation in Devin's name, it'll go towards helping my case. But I tried that. I didn't I didn't really get any traction with it. Uh, it's a wire transfer. That's the only way she takes donations. Right now, I don't have an attorney. I have a motion in. I was supposed to find out today whether they were going to let me reopen the case or not, but they had had snow and ice for a couple of days, so they're a few days behind. Um, I put in a motion before to try to get grandparents' rights. They call them third-party visitation rights in Oregon, and the judge, the same judge that wouldn't hear my case that dismissed my case wouldn't reopen it wouldn't allow i don't know what's going to happen oregon is not going to give in on this i don't think can go to the state of montana hopefully and they will be a little less liberated i don't know like that's where my grandson lives with with his with his mom who murdered my son's mother and his and her husband who also killed somebody with nobody overseeing them whatsoever. DHS isn't involved, nobody. And the other thing is, I mean, I'm a little bit concerned because I do have such a rough background and I don't want it to come across like, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. I mean, if all of my sins have to be put out in the open for people, that's fine. I mean, I wrote a book about it. I mean, I've, I've never hit it. I'm a I, I co-authored a book. I started a women's empowerment nonprofit all based off of my, you know, my mistakes, my, you know, my alcoholism, my problems in life, you know, trying to, you know, do something positive with it. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not in any way, shape or form like this, you know, little Miss Innocent Wallflower at all. March 24th, 2023, I dropped my little grandson off at school. Gave him a big hug. He said, I love you, Grandma. And that's the last time I've seen him. The last time I've seen that little boy. He just turned eight. And I've lost his dad. And now I've lost him. She allowed me to, to have one phone call with him. One phone call in April. And um, when she called him to the phone. She left it on speakerphone. And, uh, when she called him over, she said, it's Jackie. And she didn't say it's grandma, Jackie. She said my name and she said it was such disdain and hovered over the top of him. And I don't know why, I don't know if he hung up or she hung up, but I've never been able to speak to him since. I've always had this admiration for Jackie from the moment that we started speaking. But after rewatching the footage, I have this newfound 
or elevated sense of, I'm so impressed by her and I I admire her so much uh, for her tenacity and her strength. She's been doing this all alone, but not anymore. I have saved the arguably, in my very, very own opinion, because there's a lot of characters at play here. But in my very own opinion, I have saved the worst for last in terms of characters that we're going to be speaking about. Someone whose name that I am just now bringing up is a woman by the name of Miss Jan Felt. Wow, what a woman. I have another disclaimer for you. Really, truly, I can't understand how she stays so composed. The following segment contains my personal opinions based on conversations with individuals involved in the case and my own research through publicly available information. It's crucial to understand the opinions expressed here are solely mine and not intended to defame or harm anyone mentioned. All information provided is to the best of my knowledge and belief. Additionally, any conversations, interactions, or events described or mentioned should be considered alleged. In all of this, genuinely, I do not mean to hurt an individual. But when you accept a role with so much responsibility, you also have to accept your fuck-ups. And you have to accept when you did something wrong or you went about something wrong or you didn't show enough care to something and you let yourself get hardened by the things that you see on a daily basis and you start making really unethical choices, you have to take responsibility for that and you need to fix it and make it right. But I did want to say that genuinely this extends far past Jan, but in the aftermath of this episode, I really hope that you feel inspired to, I really hope that you do feel inclined to support in the many different ways that you can um, and that I will outline. But, you know, please do not harass or use threatening language towards anyone in this case. I know that with cases like these, emotions run high and trust me, I'm angry. That is absolutely something that I do not condone and why I put together the email writing templates. And if you feel so inclined and you feel maybe a little bit more passionate than the verbiage I used in the email templates, where all you have to do is go on my website. It's uh, Devin Briggs has his own page and it explains everything there. All you have to do is copy and paste your name into the your name brackets. It's very polite. In my opinion, however, it sends the crucial and urgent message that needs to be sent and lets and lets people in positions of power in this situation know that there are eyes on it and it's being watched and there are people that care. I understand more than anyone um, the disgust and the anger that can overtake you, but it is absolutely essential to keep in mind here that there is an upcoming criminal case. So use your platforms, use your voice in sharing this and engaging with it in the ways that you see fit, but please, no harassment, no threatening of individuals. And with that said, let's talk about the infuriating Jan Falk. So a new name to you guys, not to me. Um, She lives... So Jan Falk, who is she? She was the court-appointed evaluator in this custody case. She is undoubtedly one of the most massive roadblocks and why for Jackie, just getting to see her grandson is like pulling teeth. She has been one of the biggest stakes in the road and one of the biggest hurdles unnecessarily and unjustly. 
This woman has absolutely zero credentials in the state of Oregon. Zero. Let that sink in. Someone entrusted with such a critical role should probably have the proper qualifications. Don't you think? But that feels like common sense to me, right? Apparently it does not to the state of Oregon though, especially in Jefferson County. Let me take a step back a bit and explain what an evaluator is in custody matters. An evaluator is someone who comes in and they are in, supposed to be, very much supposed to be, let me emphasize that, a non-biased party who conducts, you know, house checks and probably background checks, I believe. And they take all of the factors of both sides and they make a statement or decision to the court, advising the court and the judge on the best feel where the child is going to thrive and have the proper care and love necessary to lead the absolute best life. So apologies if I'm looking down, I have some notes because I don't want to misspeak on this. So alongside her associate, Tim Brannon, uh, they run an agency or a practice. So alongside her associate named Tim Brannon, they run a practice called Family Resolution of the Cascades. And here's the kicker, uh, their website is a complete contradiction of what they have done in this case. Their website, their website paints a complete contradiction as to the work that they have done in Jackie's case. I can't necessarily speak too much to Tim Brannon's involvement because I just don't know. I know that they're associates, but I don't know how much he had to do in this case. But regardless, it's a shared practice. So let's talk about bias. Jan was paid in a court grant by Paige's legal team, which obviously raises some serious, substantial concerns about impartiality, especially in a case like this. It's really not rocket science to see where the loyalties lie when the money is flowing from one side. The way that she conducted herself during this ordeal is absolutely appalling. A few of Jackie's friends who were meant to serve as collaterals, collaterals are essentially character witnesses and they speak on your character, you know, they'll call your friends, your family, etc. But a few of Jackie's friends were actually left in tears after speaking with Jan over the phone. After their encounters with Jan, they had called Jackie crying, saying that they thought that they had just spoken to Paige's defense attorney. And right there, we can pause and we can say, incorrect. Nope. If the approach is already that aggressive and that abrasive, it's not unbiased. If if you're saying all of these negative things to her, that's not being unbiased. And this aggressive and combative nature of her approach really speaks to her professionalism or really lack of professionalism. To give you a couple examples, Jackie had to, as we talked about, uproot her life and she had to move into a temporary living situation for the two months that she had custody of her grandson. She had to leave her five bedroom home and 2022 wasn't necessarily, it's not going down in the history books as the best year for the housing market by any means. She did all of this happily to ensure that the child's routines were upheld and maintained. And how did Jan, portray this massive sacrifice that Jackie had made happily just to take care of her grandson. Completely incorrectly, to say the least and to be the most polite. Fabricating tales and exaggerating details seems to really be her forte. When Jackie had to move out of her five-bedroom home and into a temporary situation to maintain and uphold his routine, 
she, I believe, found a mobile home. That's what she could do at the time. And there was some mention of tires because of lightning. You know, it's rubber, so I actually don't know too much about lightning. I'm thinking about it now. But rubber, rubber absorbs lightning, right? I think that's the right way to phrase it. Whatever. So that's why you want to wear, you know, your rubber rain boots and your rubber coat when you're going out in a storm. So I believe there was something to the effect of tires and them being used for storm and safety purposes for the people inside the home. But it was completely twisted in court and in Miss Jan's documents to say that the roof was being held on by tires. Like she's living in a makeshift shack. And the courts just ate this up. That Like that's just as infuriating. And it absolutely does not end there. Uh, there are witnesses that actually have recounted Jan's behavior in a multitude of different settings. She even went as far as to allegedly making disgusting, callous remarks about this case in public. And I think she's caught on to it recently because I, I got some news that I, I don't think it's appropriate to share. But it's funny how a year later... A year later, after going in public and defaming Jackie, saying that her son deserved what happened to him, that she was on bragging, laughing about being on this high-profile case, where it... Madras, where this all occurred, is technically a city, but the population is, like, under 8,000. So it's small-town vibes. So then the small town where everyone knows everything and they're grieving such a pillar of their community... She's laughing, joking, talking about what a hot shot she is. Everyone knows what she's talking about. And then she goes on further to say that this person deserved it and talk poorly about their grieving mother. Actually, what's wrong with you? You're unhinged. You are unhinged. I would not trust this woman to dog sit for me, pet sit for me. I don't even have a pet, but I would not trust her to pet sit for me, let alone have the power to make such a critical statement that have to do with the topic so sensitive and serious as the well-being of a child and where they should be placed for the proper care. I and why is the court using her? That's something I would love to know and something that I would love an answer on. She has no credentials. She's certified in, like, Virginia to do something. Nothing in Oregon. Um, and I'm not even going to speak to her credentials in Virginia because, one, I'm not 100% sure because she conveniently doesn't put it on her website. Two, it doesn't matter because this takes place in Oregon. It, it's honestly just baffling. Why is she continuing to be used by the courts? There are literal, like, blog posts written about this woman, about her displaying anti-Semitism online. How does anything that this woman say have any type of weight? So I, I feel like I kept it light on Jan Falk. It raises serious red flags about her professionalism and her credibility. Serious doubts. But remember, these are just my opinions based on information and... Make of it what you will. Jackie actually did attempt to seek clarity from the board of licensed social workers, only to be met with one of the grossest, most disgusting responses ever. Sorry. It's all very frustrating. If you have made it this far into the episode, I wanted to give you a massive thank you and encourage you to support in any way that you can. 
last night I had a moment where I was reflecting on myself as a consumer of true crime and cases. You know, I really respect uh, people such as Kendall Ray, Annie Elise, Brooke McKenna, Sherilyn Dale, as they work oftentimes very closely with families in these situations. After doing that myself, I've gained a whole new perspective and I quite honestly had like an existential crisis last night thinking about that and the type of consumer I am because now that I have such a bond to Jackie and her case and my emotions are tied up in it as well, I can't understand why someone just wouldn't take the two seconds to sign a change.org petition. The the five minutes that it takes to do everything in total will probably take under 10 minutes. If you can donate a dollar, that's phenomenal. Like that, that's amazing. Please, there's no amount that's too small. Um, but I, I completely understand that not everyone has financial means to help support in that sense, to help pay for her legal fees. I, I get that. Trust me, this is, I have like a dollar in my checkings account. It's okay. Engagement is the most important thing and sharing is the most powerful thing. By interacting with this episode, uh, whether it's on YouTube or on Spotify, I believe they have like a Q&A section, Apple Podcasts. I think they have reviews or comments. By leaving a comment there, liking the episode, uh, sharing it on your platforms, sharing it in your group chat, you're bringing one more set of eyes to this situation that had no idea and wasn't going to have any idea about it before. I will have all the links down below, either in the show notes or the description, where you will be able to sign the change.org petition, donate to the GoFundMe if you do have the means and feel so inclined. There is a page dedicated to Devin that I will put in the description below where it has the email templates that are extremely simple to fill out. It's a matter of copying, pasting, and inserting your name into brackets that say your name. To do everything to share and to support all of that would take less than 10 minutes. It takes under 10 minutes, but you have the power to change the trajectory of a child's life for the better and make a real change in the U.S. judicial system, especially in this case where the cracks and misconducts of the system have been extremely blatant. Last night when I was reflecting on my own consumption of content like this, I felt and I don't say this to make anyone feel bad. I'm just saying my personal experience. The fraction of time that it would have taken for me would be so insignificant, but it's changing someone else's entire life. And that's a new perspective that I definitely gained last night and that I hope I can relate to you. Um, you know, if you're at work and you feel passionately about this case and this case speaks to you and you do want to support... Um, you know, set a reminder for your lunch break or maybe your commute home or I don't know. I just know that I, I know that I haven't been perfect in the past when coming across content like this and I've made excuses. And in hindsight, I just, now that I have the experience of working with a grieving mother and a family and knowing the ins and outs and all the trials and tribulations that they've had to go through, it, it's just a very intense time of reflection and I hope that that resonates with you and means something to you guys. So if you made it this far in the episode, thank you so, so, so much for watching. Please, please support the podcast, this episode, this case, by engaging with the video, liking it, doing all of the YouTube things, subscribing, 
following the podcast on all of the available platforms, leaving a comment or Q&A, whatever each platform allows you to do, um, or a review, anything to just engage with the show and especially this. And you can feel great at the end of the day knowing that you supported a really great cause just by sending an email, signing your name, donating a couple dollars if you are able to do that. Please check the show notes and the description if you're on YouTube. Please check the show notes if you're listening to the podcast on one of those platforms. And on YouTube, please check the description for all of the important links pertaining to Jackie and pertaining to the things that I talked about in this video. All right, humans, I love you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much in advance for supporting. It was a tricky one and it's been months in the making, but I couldn't be more honored to be entrusted with this role of delivering this information and helping Jackie find justice. And I know and I'm very confident in what we can do as a collective. I just want to thank you guys so much um, in advance for any support. I will be providing updates and please also, and also I have kind of coined the hashtag bring Briggs justice. I figured that would be a great way to follow for updates um, on any socials. So I will, anything pertaining to this case and any future updates that I will be providing, um, you can look for that hashtag. And I thought that might be an easier way to follow along, but I'm not sure. Let me know. Please let me know what you guys think about this one. Um, remember to always be kind because I'm sure Jackie will be reading the comments and the family will be reading the comments. So I will see you guys soon with a more traditionally formatted video. I'm thinking that bi-weekly might be my new jam now because obviously things got a little derailed with my plans for editing and such but and also with that lastly I did want to implore anyone with a story to tell to please fill out the podcast guest form I will leave a link to it in the description or show notes you can find that on humansunscripted.com but again I will put a link down below I really did enjoy doing this type of video and um being able to bring awareness to something in real time. Um, just maybe I do invite you to please fill out the podcast form or if you just have a story to tell either way, I, I enjoy making both types of content and it, it doesn't need to be criminal by any means. If you have a criminal one, we can talk. If it's not, um, the first thing that came to my mind was talking about like Flint, Michigan, still not having Clint, the first thought actually when I was thinking about doing a segment like this was taking on cases about like communities and um, you know how Flint, Michigan, for example, like still doesn't have clean water, things like that. So I didn't even expect to be taking on something so criminal and nefarious. But yeah, I say all that to say that every story is welcome. It was new territory for me. So let me know what you thought of it and we will be seeing each other soon.